What's happening next on Sunday's special edition hosted by A Vision for You. Sunday, May 19th, a study of Step 12 presented by a stellar big book scholar and teacher from Canada. Sunday, May 26th, a Vision for You Higher Power Pact Attitude of Gratitude meeting. And stepping into June, Sunday, June 2nd, Step 1 is the focus. A Vision for You has invited a no-nonsense big book teacher to dig deeper with you into Step 1. Events powerful enough to pass it on. Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, May 13th. And today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 13, and we are on the second full paragraph. There I humbly offered myself to God. Today's readers are Penny E., Judy B., Fran, and Rebecca. The reference number for Sunday, May 12th, is 4446. And again, that's 4446. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lois to read the 12 steps, please. Good morning, everyone. This is Lois, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible except when to do so would injure them or others, or, or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact 
with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I, I pass. Thank you, Lois. I will now ask Meg to read the 12 Traditions, please. Good morning. My name is Meg O, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, usually from Vermont, but currently in California. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OE name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. I thank you, and with that, I will pass. Thank you, Meg. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. 
This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book. We're on page 13, second paragraph that starts with, There I humbly, and I will ask Penny E. to begin reading, please. Thank you so much, Christy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Penny E. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I'm just going to read the first line before that paragraph so we know where we are. It says, At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. There I humbly offered myself to God, as I then understood him, to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. Whoa. Well, what paragraph that is. Uh, my book has a little footnote here, and it says that that was um, on December the 11th, 1934. And we do know that Bill died sober. You know, he never picked up a drink. I have not had a drink since. Wow, how did he do that? Well, you know, these are the steps right here. The steps are right here flashing at us. You know, he's already decided time and time and time and time again, if you've been reading with us, that he's powerless. You know, he's absolutely powerless. Nothing he could do, nothing anybody else could do could stop him from drinking. Love of his wife, no, nothing. And his life was unmanageable. Living at his parents' home, you know, so on and so forth. Wife had to go to work. Uh, he was powerless. Then his friend Ebby comes to visit him, and his friend Ebby had religion, had religion. Bill was not too keen on the religious idea or God or so on and so forth. But in that talk with Ebby, he began to see that whatever happened to Ebby could happen to him too. The idea that uh, God could do for him what he could not do for himself came into view, step two. And so we know, because we've been reading this big book, that before the program of attraction, before the program of recovery can be uh, received and given, a person has to be removed from their drug of choice, from their food, from their alcohol. So he goes into the hospital, and he knew, well, he writes this afterwards, so he knew for the last time, for the last time, we have to be separated from the food before the program of recovery can be received. Here, he humbly offers himself to God, as I understood him. Step three, step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. He placed himself unreservedly under any and all circumstances with everything, under his care and direction. He had admitted for himself for the first time that he was nothing. He ruthlessly faced his sins. Step four. Step four, 
and, uh, and became willing to have my new found friend take them away, root and branch. Who's the new found friend? That's hard to say. New found friend? God, his higher power, as he understood him. He has not had a drink since. I want that. I want that. So in order for me to get that, I have to do exactly as he does here. I can't make any exceptions. I can't go outside of the lines. I can't say this is food, this is an alcohol. I have to follow it exactly as it is. And uh, I'm so grateful, so grateful for this book. Love you all. Have a God-filled day. Thank you, Penny. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? You'll need to press star 1 to unmute your phone. This is Kim. Kim, go ahead, please. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And this is so exciting. You know, Penny did such a beautiful description of, of this paragraph. And I just want to look at where have, what got us to this paragraph. You know, we've been studying this chapter very closely. You know, pages one through eight, we saw the progression of the illness. We saw the denial. We saw every form of self-deception and experimentation that Bill did to prove himself not an alcoholic. And he finally came to that conclusion that he was powerless over alcohol and his life was unmanageable. So it took pages one through eight to have him take step one. And then nine through 12 is Bill's step two. Coming to believe is the resistance of finding a higher power, of not understanding that he needed to find a higher power. He was convinced of his need for a higher power in pages 9 through 12. And now we're going to see on page 13, he takes the rest of the steps. Steps 3 through 11 are on this page. And that is the pace of the big book. You know, we, it takes us a long time sometimes, sometimes decades, to come to that conclusion that we are powerless over food and our lives are unmanageable. And then we have this resistance of a higher power. I don't want to talk about this God thing. I just need a diet. Food and weight is my problem. Leave me alone. But once we are grounded in step one and we've come to that conclusion that we're powerless, once we're grounded in step two and we know we need a higher power, we make that decision and we, the steps take us. It is worked at a very fast pace. And how many of us have done what I've called the OA waltz? Steps one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Never get to those action steps and wonder why we keep picking up. Wonder why we keep picking up. Because I have to tell you, your spiritual awakening has nothing to do with abstinence. It has nothing to do with 30 days, 60 days, a year, six years, a decade. The spiritual awakening has to do with these action steps that we're going to see there. And we're going to see some great language here. Humbly offered myself to God. Put myself unreservedly under his care and his direction. Ruthlessly faced my sins. Asked my newfound friend to take them away root and branch. That's some vigorous action. That's some absolute language. And we have to get to that point. But as you can see, the way that the story is set up is the way the big book is set up. So much time is spent on step one. Because if we are not convinced that we are powerless, why the heck will we care about a higher power? 
And until we know we need a higher power, why would we make that decision? But once we make that decision, we better get busy and get into those action steps because that spiritual awakening will come to us after step nine. So look at the pace and look at all the steps that we're going to see in just one page. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Sure, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you. I want to scoot down to a word in a line, and that would be the word that's in the sentence. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my new found friend. Notice friend is capitalized. Take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. And, you know, here we see it capitalized, friend, one attached to another by affection. Wow. It goes on, though. Like or becoming a friend, kind, favorably disposed to peace. There was no peace in Bill's life. There was only war within. This friend brought him peace. And then it says, intimacy, kindness, aid. This is the description of a friend that Bill could live. And with that, the willingness to have my newfound friend, look what he does for him, take them away, root in branch. Oh, honey, we all know how often we never got to the root of things, and they continued. Because until the root was removed, it was there and it would grow again. Thank you so for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Regina. Regina, go ahead. I would just like to comment on um, um, in procession. You know, he did one thing after another. And I, I specifically like to say, um, comment on this sentence, I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. Bill had no doubt, he had no reservations that God would be able to help him to pull him out of the pit that he had been put himself in. And um, he, he, there was no reservations. He knew and he was willing to let go of everything and anything that would keep him from coming to the, coming to that place in his life where he would be able to get out of the pit. And he put himself under his care and direction without any doubt, without any doubt that God is the one who would be able to help him to get out of the Maori clay that he had placed himself in. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Regina. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Hello, this is Meg. May I share? Sure, go ahead. I'd love to just look at the sentence again. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away, root and branch. Root and branch. I don't know if anyone else on this line has ever done any weeding, but I've worked on a couple farms. I've run my own garden, and I am very familiar with weeds. What are weeds? They are plants, just like any other plants but they are plants that we do not want because they compete for nutrients with the plants that we do want. They compete for nutrients. And if you pull uh, just the top of the plant and you leave that of the, of the weed and you just leave the roots in, guess what? They're going to grow back because they still have access 
to those nutrients that are within the soil. They still have access to the moisture that's within the soil. They still have access to the oxygen that's within the soil. And with a little bit of sunlight, or in our cases, with a little bit of irritability, a little bit of discontentment, those roots, those weeds are going to grow back and they're going to be stronger than before, in all honesty, because now they have more scar tissue and they're going to just have be more fibrous and they're going to be harder to do because they've spent more time working on those roots deep down in the earth. But we have a friend now and he's got, he's got some tools. He's got a, you know, a rake and a shovel and he can dig into the ground and he can take those roots out. He can cut off their access to those nutrients, that oxygen, that moisture. And he can reveal those roots and he can bake them in the sun and they will wither away. And our, the plants that we want, now they have all the oxygen, nutrients, and moisture that they need to truly grow. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Meg. This is Christy and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and I just wanted to share on a couple of things that jumped out at me. Um, you know, the first one is in that first little paragraph that Penny E. read where he says he was separated from alcohol, and it did happen to be for the last time. Um, so, but the first thing that happened for him is that he was separated from alcohol. So he was separated from alcohol. And, and then further in that uh, next paragraph, what he says is, I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing. Now, he's not saying that he's, um, you know, nothing with respect to everything else in the world, although certainly we, we would all probably agree that Bill's life had become unmanageable. But, you know, I had to admit to myself, I had to admit to myself that at least with respect to food, at least with respect to food, that my life had become unmanageable. I could not manage my food. I, you know, I, I later found out as I worked through the steps, you know, it was uncovered and revealed to me that I also had parts of my life that were certainly unmanageable as well. But at the very least, at the very least, I had admitted to myself, I had to, I had to admit to myself that um, of myself I was nothing when it came to food, when it came to food. I could not manage my food anymore. I had tried to throw every fantastic idea I could possibly come up with at my compulsive overeating. And unfortunately for me, things got worse. Things got worse. I never, you know, maybe I lost weight, but I always gained it back. I mean, that just happened to be how my disease played out. And even when I was thin, you know, I was compulsively exercising. I was never free. I was never free. I always had that idea that at some point, you know, maybe when I reached that magic goal weight, that I'd be able to eat like a normal person, quote, unquote, normal person. And I had no idea what that looked like. I thought people who were normal eaters could eat whatever they wanted, which to me was pretty much everything in sight, and not suffer the consequences. That's what I really truly wanted. That's what I really truly wanted. Not that a normal eater who did not suffer from the you know, restlessness, irritability, and discontent that I did that drove me back to food every single time, not that they 
you know, ate vast quantities of food and, and had this magic metabolism somehow. I mean, that's really what I wanted. You know, I wanted to eat what I wanted. I wanted to do what I wanted and not suffer the consequences. And that just is not possible for someone like me. It's not possible. So, you know, what I wanted to point out here for me is that I had to be separated from food. I had to stop eating compulsively. I had to give up those foods that, you know, gave me trouble. I had to do that. And then I had to admit that, you know, that, you know, my life was unmanageable, that I could not manage. I could not manage, at least, at the very least, like I said, food. I could not do that. I could not do that. And, um, you know, I just love how important that is, that I knew that I needed someone something, a power greater than myself, something that didn't emanate from within me, something that wasn't one of my brilliant ideas to help me, to help me. And that once I admitted that, that, you know, my whole entire life opened up in ways I, I never could have imagined, ever, ever. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this particular paragraph? Monica. This is Leia. Monica and Leia, and then we'll catch the next, the other person I heard there too. So go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. There I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. I humbly, you know, being aware of one's shortcomings, modesty. So at this point, he is aware, you know, he's, he's done one and two here that he's, he's whipped. He is, he is powerless over this alcohol. It has got him by the throat and nothing he has ever done or can do or wanting to do is working. You know, he wants and it's not happening. He wants to put it down and he cannot do it. So he's finally, he's needing and he's wanting God here. And he says, God, I am a mess, I, and I'm giving myself to you here. I am hopeless. I, I, I give up. I give up. I surrender. As I then understood him, as I then understood him, he's not saying he understands this God thing. He doesn't understand God. He's not trying to figure it out. He's got a basic, simple understanding at that point. And that's all you need is, an un, is your own conception of something that you can grasp hold of, something bigger than you. That's all it took to begin with, to do with me as he would. You know, this is surrender. I've had enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I can't do it. I give up. God, will you help me? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Leah, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Good morning, everyone. And by the way, that other voice in the background is Janice, <laughs> waiting her turn. Um, yes, my name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, w I just wanted to focus on this statement here. I have not had a drink since. Um, obviously, these pages were penned in hindsight. You know, this, this is the result of the program of recovery. You know, Bill took his last drink on December 11, 1934, and he never found it necessary to seek the ease and comfort in alcohol again. 
and he died January 24, 1971. This was not temporary respite. This was salvation. I mean, we certainly have studied very closely his descent into the madness of alcoholism. Uh, you know, this is just a, a horrific and vivid and very detailed account of the mayhem that occurred in Bill's life due to this disease of alcoholism. But we see that through the action steps that were taken, uh, what were the results of that? The results, I have not had a drink since. That's why at the very beginning of this book, he and a hundred other men and women who were recovered wrote how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. You know, recovered. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. There is a specific aim and a specific goal and a specific objective to doing this work, and that's called a spiritual awakening. And as a result of having one of those things, called a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, it will expel, it will force out, it will drive out the obsession of the mind, which is the greater aspect of the disease. You know, allergy of the body, of course, Bill had an allergy to alcohol, obviously. But the greater aspect to Bill's disease was the obsession of the mind. The fact that when he was cold, stone, stone cold sober, excuse me, that obsession of the mind would force out other thoughts to the contrary and other memories of any suffering, and it would compel him to pick up that first drink. All action is born in thought. What was going to restore his sanity? Well, again, you know, step one, what was Bill's problem? Lack of power. That was his dilemma, lack of power. What was going to be the solution? A power greater than himself that could restore him to sanity, that re could restore his soundness of mind, relieve him of that obsession, and allow him to walk a free man. And that's exactly what this book is designed to bring about, that experience. Can we have an experience that takes us through these steps and, like Bill, removes the obsession of the mind? Can that happen in Overeaters Anonymous? Is that possible? You know, people believe that it happens to alcoholics. Is it possible to happen in Overeaters Anonymous? And the answer is yes. Relapse is not a message of hope. I'm sorry. And relapse is not recovery. Being restored to sanity, soundness of mind, being relieved of that compulsion to pick up that first bite, that is the state of being recovered. Has the obsession of the mind been removed? In Bill, the answer was yes. With Bill's friends, the answer was yes. Is that true for Overeaters Anonymous? And those of us that are recovered say yes, yes. Yes, it is possible to be restored to sanity. Absolutely, 100%. What's going to happen? How is that going to happen? Through a spiritual awakening. And how do you get one of those? Through the implementation of these very steps that are being described on this page this morning. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Janice, go ahead, please. Thank you, Christy. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. My name is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. I'm so happy to join this lineup here this morning because this information speaks to us so clearly, so clearly. And yes, do I believe it's possible 
in Overeaters Anonymous for this very information that we're reading. Can I identify? Can I identify and can it be true for me as well? You know, we've been we've been reading, diligently studying Bill's story here. And why do we even do that? So that we can identify in, so that we can see ourselves in Bill's experience, hopefully. Hopefully. And there have been many, many times here in these pages, these last two pages particularly, where that word willingness keeps coming. Willingness, willingness, willingness. So I believe in in the description of what's happening to Bill, he's having some reorganization of his thinking. Right here, right here. Some reorganization of his thinking. Because wasn't it his thinking, like Leia just so beautifully described, and others before her, that it is the reorganization of his thinking. Because I don't know about you, but I tried to think my way out of this problem over and over and over again. And my thinking kept me picking up the food again and again and again. And so I needed a new perception. I needed a reorganization of my thinking. I needed to come to believe that there had to be something greater than me that could work here for me. And I got that information here. I had to be willing to believe that God was concerned with us humans when we wanted him enough. And none of you tried to, tried to convince me that there was a God. But you convinced me of my need for God. Because without that greater, higher power, I was prisoner, captive, and the noose tightening around my neck. But willingness is the key, we like to say in Overeaters Anonymous. Willingness is the key. And willingness was born out of that desperation. I was desperate, I was doomed, and thank God I was done. I was done. But without that willingness, none of this was going to help me. I had to be willing, willing to look at my powerlessness, willing to come to believe in a greater power, willing to have my own conception of God. And let me tell you, I have watched many times in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, when people are not willing, they fall back into those old patterns, those old perceptions, those old ways of thinking. But when there, is, when there is willingness, when they are willing, there is no stopping them. There is no stopping them. And it doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to do with them finding that power, that God power, that power source that they didn't have before. And Bill even says how blind I had been. How blind I had been. But there was a new vision here. He could see it differently. God, shift my perception. Help me to see it differently. And with that willingness to see things differently, to entertain a new idea, to say, God, help me. Whatever this God of my understanding is going to turn out to be, I don't have to have that definition all worked out in my mind. I don't, not, I don't need to even go there yet. But I can become willing to believe, believe that there is that power because I see it at work in others and grab hold as if my life depends on it and then dive into the steps. 
because those action steps will lead me through. They will, it will grow in me, this God of my understanding. It will become an experience that I have, the experience of God by working these 12 steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Let's move on to the next paragraph. Judy B., would you please read that for us? Certainly. Good morning. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Massachusetts. My schoolmate visited me, and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. We made a list of people I had hurt or toward whom I felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals, admitting my wrong. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. <clears throat> this paragraph just fully, fully describes the um, program of action that, uh, that will bring us to that psychic awakening, to that, to that recovery. This, this describes the, the action steps that we must take. And so... <clears throat> It, it first says, my schoolmate visited me and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. Now, how can we do that? You know, we have to examine ourselves. We have to take a searching and fearless moral inventory. You know, and we, and we have to be honest. We have to look at what's going on with us. What, what have we done? You know, what, <coughs> excuse me, what, you know, what, what needs to be addressed? What do we need to talk about with, with another person? And then we may, so that fully acquainted, we just, I just think it's so important that when we do step four, we, we disclose everything that we are able uh, to realize. You know, there may be later something that comes up, but if we are honest and, and completely just completely divulge all of that which has been part of our life for years. If we just will fully admit it, you know, we are, we are on our way. And um, we cannot leave anything out. We made a list of people we had hurt and toward whom we felt resentment. You know, we have to go through our inventory again. We have to look at you know, those people that we've hurt and those people that we resent. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals. You know, we have to be completely willing to do that. And sometimes that takes, <laughs> takes prayer and it takes uh, talking with others and it, it, takes, it takes a willingness that... Uh, that we, we just have to come to, and, and we will come to that point. We will come to that point if we want it sincerely enough, if we, if we trust God and ask him to lead us there. We have to admit our wrong. And then the next sentence I, I love, never was I to be critical of them. And that's not easy. I, I just remember when I first started. I mean, how, how can I make amends to, to a person who has betrayed me so and, and done so much wrong to me. But the truth is, this is not about what they've done. This is about looking at our part. And we have to put aside um, 
what the other person has done. This is a time not to go into that. This is a time to express our part, our our, our motives, you know, how we reacted. We, we need to examine that, we, and we need to make it right. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. And... Um, this doesn't come easy. At least I didn't find that it came easy. It, it took a lot of work. But it is so worth it. You know, working through these action steps brings brings results that you can, you know, beyond our wildest dreams. It, it brings results that, that, that change our thinking and that change our lives forever. And um, it's just such a beautiful program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Judy. Who would like to share on this paragraph? This is Deborah. Can I share, please? Uh, Deborah and then Kim. Go ahead, Deborah. Hi, this is Deborah. And yes, the action steps. Um, if I think of the step four and five to as a simple inventory. I know when I first came in, I was very you know, concerned, I'm an intelligent adult, and, you know, if I knew I wrote it down on four, I'd have to eventually do something with nine, and that kind of scared the bejeebies out of me. And it was important to um, study the big book and realize and work with a sponsor that, you know, this process was for my healing, not theirs, regardless. And you know, I was sure that when I gave my first inventory away that my sponsor would have kicked me out of the house and said, well, thank you very much, but um, I don't want to um, work with you anymore, and I'm going to the meetings on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You go to any other OA meeting, OA meeting you want, but, you know. And that's just my own fear. Um, and I had to learn to trust, and that's part of the paragraph before, you know, humbly offer myself to God unreservedly under his care. And until that's totally turned over, yeah, my best thinking got me in this program and I had to stop thinking ahead and projecting. And, you know, it was through the patience and um, the others that went before me to show me the way that the four steps I'm not going to implode if I do it. I'm actually going to feel better. And and when I did leave that first inventory, uh, it was about 30 years ago when I came in 1982, it was very important for me. I just I finally felt that that beginning to get my connection with my higher power. Um, everybody's got a little different process, and. Um, it was a lot of fake it until you make it. Just pretend, just act as if. And that's part of the willingness to just trust. I've never been there. If I knew how to stop eating, it would have been done long ago. Um, and I really needed the equal reduction to, you know, tell another all my deep, dark secrets um, and realize, you know, I really hadn't done much different than a lot of other people. And as 
time went on and I listened to other inventories became a sponsor that, you know, we are, you know, we all think we, or I felt I, you know, was terminally unique and my four-step after I had gotten through that, you know, was able to help another and say, you know, you can do this, just, you know, we're just right every day, we'll get through this, we don't, you know, we're not going to take a step or a, um, you know, all year to get through this. This is, it's vital to get to step nine, to get to the promises, to get the spiritual awakening, and just to do the best I can. And, you know, I can always come back and revisit it, but the point is to um, be totally willing and just trust that it all will work out. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. Kim, go ahead. Thanks, Christy. You know, these last two paragraphs, there's very specific language here. I mean, these are drastic proposals. And I don't know about you, but I remember saying, you know, I've done this steps dozens of times, dozens, and they don't work. They don't work. But was I following the clear-cut directions? No. I was doing OA light. You know, I was doing those parts that were convenient and disregarding the parts that I thought were inconvenient. So the language here, fully acquainted someone with my problems, entirely willing, never to be critical of others. I was to write all such matters. There's some very specific language here. I need to ask myself a question. How free do I want to be? How free do I want to be? And if I want to be free, if I want to have that spiritual awakening, if I want the obsession of the mind removed, I need to look at this and do the clear-cut directions. And the big book is clear, too. It gives us warnings. So when it says here, I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies, on page 72 in the big book, it says, when we when we when we about to do step five, so we'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first. If we skip this vital step, we may not overcome our drinking. That sounds like a pretty good warning. You know, I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. And on page seventy-eight, when it's talking about our amends, it says. We must lose fear of our creditors no matter how far we have to go, for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. And that's where I lose most sponsees, and that's where I picked up. Well, I'm from four to five because I wasn't telling, letting anybody know all my problems. And then step nine, when I was rationalizing why I didn't have to do certain amends. So they're letting us know here we have to be fully acquainted, entirely willing, never to be critical, was to write all such matters. So however long you've been in a way, if you're brand new and this makes no sense, or if you've been retreaded in this program dozens of times and you keep thinking, well, I've done this and it hasn't worked, ask yourself this question. How free do I want to be? And totally submit yourself to this program. Because those promises that come after step nine are a promise for a reason. Because they will come true if you follow these clear-cut directions. If you stop trying to add your twist. If you stop saying, this, I am different because. So look at this language. Submit to this program. And I am telling you, I am happy. I am joyous. And I am free today. 
And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Hi, this is Julie. This is I would Jana. like to share. Julie, is it Julie and then Janice? Yes. Hi, I'm Julie, a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, this paragraph says so much. Again, um, like Kim Jita said, you know, we have clear-cut directions. And when I worked this program before, you know, I, I kind of picked and choose. I bartered. I, um, my my four-step was um, not listing everybody I had wronged or things that I had done wrong. It was what I wanted to do. And, of course, I got that kind of recovery, you know, um, big deal. I, I was thin, and that was about it. This time around, after my um, going, having to go experiment again, with the food, when I did my four-step inventory, it was totally different. It was uh, straight out of the big book. My sponsor had me do these um, cards when I was done with it to put the person's name down. Am I willing to make amends now? Am I willing to wait? Um, and when I did that, it was like the ones that were willing to wait, the big book clearly says you have to do it. You know, You don't want to waste any time. And there were a couple of men that I kept on putting off and putting off because of fear, and I was writing about them every night in my uh, review. And finally, you know, God has a sense of humor and put a situation in place where it kind of blew up in my face. And it was another reminder. It's We have to do this program in order, continually take action, and cannot rest in our laurels. Um, you know, even though I, I didn't want to hurt anybody when this came out, it was still fear-based. And if I'm fear-based, I'm Julie-based. You can't, you know, can't work this program by being in control. So um, the four-step inventory allows you to get through and work through five, six, seven, eight, and then those promises are coming true. Um, my life is changing. I'm not reacting I'm letting people know when I'm hurt. I am um, being of service. I wouldn't have done that before because it was all about just being on a food plan. You know, yeah, I weigh and measure my food, but that's just because of what I do. And it doesn't have any power. It's just something I do. Just like I get up and I take a shower. I get up, I get my food ready. But the difference is, is I start my day with God and... Um, it's all about going through that process. I have to see what I've done in my life. Um, all those people I, I was resentful for, I have to really look at it to see what was my part. So, um, you know, and it's not something that's supposed to take nine months or ten months. So I really urge people to start start on it because it continues to unfold. So thank you. Thank you, Julie. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Thank you very much. My schoolmate visited me, and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. You know, this is, it's important to look here. This, we're getting some history. We're getting a history lesson from Bill here. We're getting his experience with what would become the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, they, they were not formally written down as we know them at this point. So what was Bill basing his willingness on? He was basing it on what he saw in his friend. It had worked for Abby. It had worked for him. And so 
Bill hoped it would work for him too. He saw something in his friend that he had never seen before. A reorganization, new attitudes, new outlook on life. He was free, free of the alcohol. And Bill wanted that. He needed that. And Ebby had told him how it had happened for him. How it had happened. What he had done to get what he got. So Ebby sat before him in Bill's kitchen. And then Bill entered the hospital to be separated for the last time from the alcohol. He needed additional help, additional physical help. His body sorely weakened. And then Abby came back and said, okay, let's get busy, Bill. If you want what I have, I'll show you exactly what I did. And so Bill was willing, entirely willing. He became willing to do what Abby had done to get what Abby had got, to be in that place where he could be recovered as well. So all of these things that we're reading about in this paragraph would become, once Bill sat down, wrote them all out, talked with other people who were following this same method that he was using, and, and thank God wrote down these steps so that we would know them today in this book of Alcoholics Anonymous. But this very, very beginning of one alcoholic sharing with another alcoholic continues today. And it continues on this line. And it continues in Overeaters Anonymous. Those who have recovered sharing, carrying the message in order to stay abstinent, stay recovered themselves, and give that experience their experience, share their experience with someone else so that someone else can grab hold, can say, if they've done it, perhaps I can do it as well, and be reintroduced once again to this beautiful process. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Who else would like to share before we close up for the day? We've got time Leia, for one I, more. Oh, Leia, go ahead. Oh, thank you so much. Um, you know, as I look at this paragraph, um, we made a list of people I had hurt or towards, towards whom I felt resentment. Uh, never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. Um, you know, it's harmony. And that's exactly what the steps allowed to happen, to bring us into harmony. Uh, Bill obviously was in disharmony prior to uh, his spiritual awakening. He was in constant conflict with others. That was obvious as we studied uh, the deterioration of his life. What the steps did for Bill and what the steps do for you and I is allow us to be aligned with a power greater than ourselves, which brings harmony to our lives, steps one, two, and three put us in proper alignment, proper uh, harmony with a power greater than ourselves. Bill had to come to realize there is a God and I'm not it. You know, proper positioning, a submission. You know, Bill had tried to play God. Uh, He was going to be, you know, the head of vast enterprises. I mean, it's a delicious irony that in the end, yes, a vast enterprise called Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, You know, 
being self-sufficient and playing God uh, landed Bill in the quicksand. So steps one, two, and three put him in proper alignment. There is a God, I'm not it. You know, I have to surrender, submit myself to a new master, not the master of alcoholism, the master of the universe as I understand him. Steps four through seven put him in proper alignment in harmony with his mind, meaning that when he makes that list of people he had hurt and those uh, character defects, when those are removed, when those are taken away, root and branch, he is no longer in conflict. His mind quiets down. The steps essentially are the art of remaining undisturbed. Because then he can be in harmony with his mind. He's not in constant conflict and fighting everybody and everything. The mind can't take that. That's why we seek the ease and comfort in a cellophane bag or a bakery box. Bill sought ease and comfort in a bottle. You know, you have to escape the monkey chatter in the mind. But the steps four through seven removed all that chatter, removed the noise, and allowed him to be tranquil. Steps eight and nine, where he was able to uh, make a list of people he had hurt and whom he felt resentful, and then he approached those individuals admitting uh, his wrongs and never was he to be critical of them. That allows him to be in harmony with other people. So... There is no necessity to seek ease and comfort when there is no discord. <laughs> when you're at peace, when you're tranquil, there is no need to self-destruct. So again, these, this process of the steps, as we studied in these two paragraphs this morning, steps one, two, and three brought Bill into harmony with God, proper alignment. Four through seven, harmony with his thinking. Steps eight and nine, harmony with other people. Continuing to live as we'll study uh, in 10, 11, and 12. A harmonious life. A life that's happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Fran, will you please read A Vision for You? Yes, good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.